and welcome to the Department of Metal Antiquities. Where we remember what everyone else has forgotten. As always, it is Nick Cameron, joined by my good friend, the musical magician from Leeds, Duncan Evans. How are we doing today? Hello, hello. Yeah, not doing badly. Still working on album stuff, um, doing bits of rewriting of lyrics and getting ready to record some final vocals. Um, everything else is pretty much done. Um, looking forward to going to Arc Tangent Festival um, this coming week, uh, reviewing for Ghost Cult magazine. I've heard and- of that. Yeah, exactly. And it's uh, our daughter's second birthday tomorrow, so that's cool. Um, but yeah, how are you doing? I'm good. My my wife was actually out of town for a conference all week, so she is back. And she, of course, is already working on the house. So we are still working on a house. Hopefully, we will actually have it on the market in a couple of weeks. So fingers Excellent. crossed. Going to be doing some fun, awful stuff today, but... It is what it is. Nobody cares about that. What people care about is what we are here to talk about, which is. Um, It is Damage Plan, the short lived band um, from 2003 to 2004. I believe they existed um, featuring the Abbott brothers, Dimebag Daryl and Vinnie Paul, both, of course, formerly of Pantera. I'm going to jump in real quick. Yes. Because you can't talk about Damage Plan without talking about the tragedy. And yeah, Duncan and I do not discuss how we feel about these albums going forward. Personally, I was always a bit scared to put this one forward because I didn't want to say anything mean because we've lost both of the Abbott brothers. So just understand that everything that, and again, I don't know what Duncan's going to say. And I still am working out what I'm going to say because we don't script these. But just keep in mind that we... We're not talking anything that we might say is nothing against the Abbott brothers, as far as I know. So just keep that in mind. We're just talking about one album that came out in 2004. And no matter what had had the the tragedy not happened, we would probably still be doing this episode. Yeah. So, yeah, sadly, the band came to an end um, at that point when Dimebag Daryl died Um yeah, so I guess we should talk about some of the background to this. Well, actually, let's talk about the name of the album first. So this is their only album. It's called Newfound Power, which was apparently originally going to be the name of the band, but for whatever reason, they scrapped that as the band name, maybe because it sounded too much like Newfound Glory, which are already a band, kind of pop. And they were... Uh, wait. Newfound Glory, that's not Zach Wilde? No, that's Pride and Glory. Our, sorry, Pride sorry. And Glory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Newfound Glory are like an American pop punk band, I am pretty sure. And I guess someone at the label or whatever might have said, hmm, maybe don't call it that. I don't that's know. Really, I'm just that's, purely speculating. That's really not a good title. I mean, you shouldn't, or that's really not a good name. You should never put the name of your act in the name of your act. And that includes your rap name, Young MC. Anything that relates to young, old, new, something like that, because eventually you won't be new. Yeah, I know what you're saying. And you won't yeah. be young. So when Young MC comes out at age 60 now, uh, it's a little bit silly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, yeah. So basically the background of this, I guess, is that Pantera essentially split up or went sort of went on a break because apparently Phil Anselmo had some problems with his back and didn't want to tour as much. So wanted to just focus on his side project. There was a lo- there was a lot going on there. And I'll, I'll dig into that when I get a minute. Yeah, well, I was going to say, apparently there was quite a lot of animosity between Mm -hmm. Anselmo and some of the other members, and certainly between Anselmo and the Abbott brothers, 
I think Rex Brown kind of stayed uh, stayed neutral in this. Um, but yeah, you can uh, you can elaborate some more. Yeah. So basically, the second half of the 90s for Pantera was very volatile. The their first album, their first major label album, not including the the self-produced records. The first one they did for Atco, Cowboys from Hell, was a a minor hit. And then the next album, Vulgar Display of Power, was a major hit. And then the next album, Far Beyond Driven, became a top 40 hit. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's kind of crazy to think about. And then that's when things started fracturing a bit the um, Abbott brothers and Rex were from Dallas Texas and Phil is from New Orleans and there was always a weird rivalry there and on top of that Phil yes he had serious back problems and in true genius rock star fashion instead of getting surgery to fix it he popped pills and Mm. more pills and more pills so by the time they're touring the great southern trend kill phil is a a full-blown heroin addict and his addictions really did a number on his performances as you would expect if you don't there were times where he laid just laid down on stage and sang because he couldn't move and Eventually, yeah, it, it took its toll. And after the ne- their next album was Great Southern Trend Kill, which was uh, the, not as great as what they had done before. There was a, 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 dim- a series of diminishing returns at this point. Then their next album they did was Reinventing the Steel, which quite frankly, I have never heard. And we probably should do that one because it was never toured. It didn't have any big singles. MTV was dead at that point. So it kind of came and went. That was released in 2001. So at this point, yes, Phil Anselmo does not wish to tour. He does not wish to get the back surgery. So he goes into the studio and starts working on his side projects. He and Rex were in a band called Down, which I think everybody's familiar with. And then he tours with Down. And the Abbott brothers are kind of like looking at each other. Well, wait, wait a minute. What's going on now? This isn't right. What do you mean you're touring? So at that point, they just decided, okay, fine. Pantera is on indefinite hiatus. Or as uh, the late Taylor Hawkins might have said, permanent I hate us. <laughs> so they formed Damage Plan. Now, Damage Plan is kind of a super group. Of course, you have the Abbott brothers, and everybody knows the Abbott brothers. And both of them in metal circles, I would have to say, are quite legendary. Vinnie Paul created a brand new drum sound. Dimebag Daryl created a whole new style of playing guitar. And together with Rex Brown, they even created a new genre of metal, which perhaps is a little looked down upon now. But groove metal did not exist in 1989. Mm-hmm. In 1992, when songs like A New Level and No Good Attack the Radical are coming out and 
the guitar playing is different. The groove is different. Yes, they, they created something new. So they get with a couple of other people. Of course, you need a whole band there. They get Bombzilla on bass and backing vocals. Now, Bombzilla is not a name I am familiar with. So I'm no, gonna... I think he was the brothers' tattoo artist, and he'd maybe been in a few smaller bands. Um, but that's how they got to know him. I, th- I think he replaced. I think he there was actually a previous bass player. Um, let me just look at his name. But for for some reason they got yeah. Here you go, Sean Matthews. I'm not sure what Sean Matthews had done. He doesn't have a Wikipedia page. But for whatever reason they uh, they got rid of him and got Bob Zilla in later in 2003. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, through I'm not sure if he was their artist, but through yeah, it tattooing. says that some, somewhere else it says that. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, that that's how they met him. And he ended up playing in the next band Vinnie Paul did, Hell Yeah, which yep. I have heard a little bit, but I couldn't tell you anything about. And then the singer yeah. is Patrick Lockman, who was the guitar player for the Rob Halford band. Indeed, yeah. So I think they sent him a demo of one of the songs and he auditioned. Um, so there must have been a vocalist version of the song. I don't. I think he he co-wrote all the songs. I believe they're co-written by all four members. I think. I believe so. So he uh, yeah. he's got a pretty Mister Mister Lockman here. Patrick Lockman has a pretty significant discography. He has one, two, three. Three release, three studio releases with Halford and a couple of live. Two studio releases with a band called Diesel Machine. One, oh, that's just a demo. That's just that's a weird thing. And then he's been also on a bunch of soundtracks. So you know he's got he's we'll call him bona fide in the metal community. How about that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interestingly okay. enough, they did not ask him to play guitar. Perhaps he played guitar live a little bit because Dime. One of Dimebag's things was he always double tracked minimum everything, and yeah, he, he he went as I think on, I believe it was on the Vulgar Display of Power record. He even went so far as to like quintuple, sextuple, and septuple tracks as well, because mm-hmm. he had that. Now that they had the money to record, he was going to use every little bit of it. But the album itself is recorded at the Abbott Brothers house and, you know, Zach Wilde, Jerry Cantrell and Corey Taylor all show up for sessions here and there. The yeah, lyric- Jerry Cantrell's not on the main version of the album, but he's on an extra track which appears on the Japanese edition as a bonus track. And it was on the Punisher um, original soundtrack. So I haven't heard that track because that's not on the version I listened to. I have also not heard it. I mean, yeah. it seems crazy to me that they didn't put that one on the, the main album. Especially. I think it was too late. I think I think it was the first song they'd written and they played it to um, mm. some somehow they played it to uh, what's he called? Jerry Cantrell at some party at the Abbott Brothers house that um, Jerry Cantrell had attended and he started to express an interest in it. And then they finished it off with him, but I think the main album had already gone to press or whatever, so they oh, couldn't, have, couldn't gotcha. have done it, basically. Yeah, he, Jerry Cantrell, was really good friends with with the Abbott Brothers. The Abbott Brothers seemed to be good friends with just about everyone, and they had... Oh, there was an article that came out a few years ago about a one of uh, one of Dimebag's 
or one of one of his um christmas parties they would have these lavish rock star christmas parties that were just insane and yes there were a couple couple of drugs there consumed that at those parties mm-hmm. uh and jerry cantrell was a frequent uh attendee of said parties mm-hmm. all right well yeah so what else have we got here? Well, it sold 44,000 copies in its first week. Um, so it did. All right. That's that's those are not bad figures for, um, you know, pretty extreme heavy metal. And it debuted at number 38 on the Billboard 200. This album, I'm just looking whether it got any higher at all or whether that's just where I think. No, that's that's that was its highest position in Australia. Number 94 in the UK, number 133. So these are not bad figures for, you know, quite extreme heavy metal music, especially back then. Um, So it did all right. But I guess it probably sort of all got a bit forgotten about once they, you know, disbanded. um, Well, it's not like Damage Plan had a whole lot of press either. Right. in, In fairness, I wasn't reading any music magazines at that time, but that was around the time in the United States when the radio stations really started leaning far more into a singular playlist throughout the nation rather than playing or breaking any new artists. So I never heard Damage Plan on the radio. I did not actually even learn that Damage Plan existed until the night after Dimebag was murdered. Right, right. So, I mean, that... And then it still sold almost, what, 40,000 copies, you said? Well, that was in the first week, 44,000. Yeah, it's still... Sold a lot more than that by now, yeah. And that, so I mean, that's that's pretty amazing. We could probably assume that at least sold uh, sold one hundred thousand copies. And oh yeah, look, US one hundred sixty seven thousand one hundred six. There you go. Was. And they recorded that at their house in their studio, so they're not paying for studio time. They self produced it, which we'll discuss whether or not that was a mistake. Hint: It always is, unless your name is Jimmy Page. <laughs> But so, I mean, they would have even if it had only sold the 45, 44,000 copies, I would imagine that album would have recouped pretty quickly just because it was a very low cost album to make. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. that that's the smart thing. Kids always have a home studio. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I believe it was co-produced by an actual producer. Um, I'm just trying to find uh, the name. Here we go. Sterling Winfield and then so yeah main producers Vinnie Paul and Dimebag but co-produced by Sterling Winfield and Patrick Lachman the singer so Sterling Winfield did some of Pantera's stuff basically that's his that seems to be what he's most known for I'm gonna guess that he was probably there to make sure everything sounded good just to, to run the I mean I'm sure that the the Abbott brothers were capable enough to to make good sounding demos in their studio but are they good enough to make a quality sounding record by themselves most most musicians aren't that's not a slight that's just you know hey there, there's only one bo jackson you know the only guy there one actually no there's more than one book because there was bo jackson then there was also brian jordan who also did the same thing at the same time brian jordan played for the cardinals and the atlanta falcons and Bo Jackson played for the the Royals and the Raiders. See, I Sorry. don't know what you're about, but it's cool. They were two sports stars. Yes, no, I figured that. I figured that. Um, so in terms of reviews, there's not a whole lot 
here. Uh, for some reason, the Wikipedia entry seems to really lean heavily on a negative review by someone called Christine Clunk of Pop Matters, who basically just didn't like it. And it, I mean, I don't know what Pop Matters do exactly, but I, I don't think they're focused on heavy metal. I don't know whether she is a metal person, but it feels perhaps a little bit unfair that they've lent so heavily on this one review, which by someone who just didn't like the album and says, I'm not the least bit interested in where this band goes or what new and exciting ways they'll think of to abuse the listeners. Um, so there you go. But looking at the uh, other reviews, which I can't read right now, but I can see the scores. Blabbermouth gave it seven out of 10. Blender gave it three stars and all music gave it three stars. So these are like pretty good, like B grade reviews, I would say. B C uh, C plus B. Yeah, there we go. It that that review from Pop Matters, that just that's rough. Yeah, I don't know why they've just featured that so heavily. Maybe whoever's last edited this Wikipedia page shares the view that this is not a good record. I don't know. Because they just keep going back to that review. Um it sounds like go. that person doesn't even listen to metal. Exactly, it does. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it was released on Electra Records, so pretty big label, part of Warner Music Group. That's kind of the around the last gasp of Electra, because Metallica was on Electra, The Doors were on Electra, yeah, Queen was on Electra, I believe, for a minute. Probably, I'm not sure, but yeah. But I mean, they now, I mean, oh, I mean, really, what major labels are there that you and I really care about in 2023? Probably not many. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So that's pretty much all I've got in terms of the background, really. Um, apart from to actually just to say that um, this is described as new metal, groove metal, and thrash metal, according to Wikipedia. Um, so I wasn't feeling too hopeful about the new metal uh, angle. The only new metal, I mean, I'm going to say it's not really new metal. I would have called it modern metal. There's a little bit of down tuning. There is a little bit of changing up vocals from, you know, melodic to dirty, but not much of that. Very little, like one or two songs. Yeah, I think I detected a bit of new metal, but we'll get onto that in a minute when we do the track by track, um, which, to be honest, I'm ready for if you are. Yeah, I am good to go on that. I'm still confused about the new metal thing. That just seems a little odd to me but well if i don't understand i'll just have to wake up all right well that's track one so we've got a subdued intro with creepy synths and unsettling oh wait there's new metal right there it starts off with new metal i apologize there you go um it kicks in with a kind of groove metal sound not unexpected i would say it's almost sepultura-esque at this point with kind of tribal style drumming very tom heavy um, growly vocals, very dry. I noticed in terms of the production. Although, just to say, just to digress slightly, I think the production is good. Actually, I don't, I don't necessarily know that you were alluding to maybe it being a mistake that they self-produced, but I think they did a a pretty good job. It's it's not always um, my favorite type of production, but for this sort of metal, I think it works. What I would criticize is that it's got that. Um, mastering where everything's really squashed through a a, a big compressor and limiter so it's all 
washed in terms of the dynamic yeah brick walled dynamically which was a from the sort of late 90s to the late well late 2000s and beyond really have they stopped tens um yeah they've it's it's calmed down not everyone's stopped but it's now calmed down a lot of people have realized it was a bad idea so it makes everything just sound a bit fatiguing and um it actually lessens the it makes it initially sound louder if you play it next to something else which wasn't you know which wasn't mastered that way but once you uh once you get used to it it just everything starts to have less impact because it's all squashed but anyway so yeah look um yeah, the, the vocals I found a bit weird at first because they're, they're harsh, growled vocals, but they're kind of almost tuneful at this point, but not quite. I found that a bit weird. I felt like you should either just go with the pure growl or go with the tuneful where I can discern a melody, whereas this kind of felt like, is he trying to do a melody or is that just he's trying to do a rough growl, but it's coming out with a bit of note there? I don't know. Then he starts rapping in the chorus and it all goes wrong for me. And this is when I really started to notice the new metalness. Um, it doesn't, to be fair, rap very much on this album. This is the most rappy bit on it. Um, some good riffs, to be fair. Some interesting textures and percussion rhythms. A few beat down bits. Short guitar solo, melodic and eerie, a bit like Alice in Chains. Um, and that's it. So, look, this isn't really my thing. This group, like Pantera, have never been my thing at all. Um, but it's not a million miles away from that. It's a bit like you've taken Pantera and made it a bit more new metal-ish. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't love it. I don't absolutely hate it. There's some cool riffs there. It's not really for me. That's it. My big disagreement with everything you said there was that it's not a million miles away from Pantera. I completely disagree. This is a million miles away from Pantera. This is nothing like Pantera. And one of the reasons why I was always a little worried about doing this album is I had this years ago and I didn't like it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I was looking for a Pantera record or what, but it, it's not that. And excuse me, if I didn't know the Abbott brothers were in this, I wouldn't know the Abbott brothers were in this. We don't get we get like hints of Dimebag's guitar work. We get hints of the Vinnie Paul drum sound, but they never lean into it. They lean into this being a whole new band. And I had forgotten about the rappy bits in this. Oh my God. I have forgotten how much of okay. this morning has been a complete comedy of errors. I should not neglect to mention leading me to have to run out to the grocery store at uh 745. So nice yeah that was good but you know oh yeah it was wonderful lovely lovely uh but up next is breathing new life okay well this by the way i haven't written down which one of the singles i think this might have been one of the singles i don't know two of the singles charted and two of the, in the u.s and two of them didn't basically um what were the singles let me just find out uh 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 uh, uh. I don't know. I can't even see now. Um, let's not worry about it. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah. Breathing New Life. Yes, they did a video for this. Uh, Save Me Explode were also singles. I feel like there was one more, but I can't find it. Anyway, so... It doesn't matter. Nobody saw or heard them, so... Fine. So this has big, blasty, double-kick uh, pedal, bass drum, and riffs. Um, and then it kicks in with some kind of post-grunge riffs. So not so much Pantera. And 
I find that I found the vocals a bit cheesy and new metal-y, to be honest. Um, I was feeling that new metal vibe. And it builds a bit, and you've got some more shouty growls and some all right riffs. The chorus is big and chuggy and almost hardcore-ish. Um, it's not bad, but it's a bit cheesy. I feel like there's quite a big cheese factor on this record. Um, the guitar solo is quite cool. It's not necessarily, as you've suggested, what you would expect from Dimebag Daryl. It's big and angular and has some weird harmonies and a few little twiddly bits, but it's not a classic Dimebag twiddle fest. Um, Which is what I'm here for. Yeah, sure. So, I don't know, man. Yeah, look, it's all right. I just, for me, it's got that late 90s, early 2000s cheesiness that where sort of post-grunge and new metal met and you've got that angsty thing that a lot of rock bands and metal bands were doing, which... Some people just about pull off, like, you know, when Tool do it, I think they kind of pull it off. But it's very easy to just sound incredibly cheesy doing that. And I felt that quite a lot on certainly this track and this album. But look, I don't know. It's not bad for what it is. It's So, my God, so many technical difficulties today. So we're just going to try to shoot through this as best we can to give you all the content. Uh, My opinion on Breathing New Life. It's a song. It's strikingly similar to what came before it. Uh, again, it's okay. It's fine. I'm not getting. I'm, I'm not getting what I wanted, but I'm getting something. Like Duncan said, it's a lot like Sepultura, and being able to admit that it's not what I was expecting and can still enjoy it is just like finding a newfound power. All right. Well, that's track three, the title track of the album. This has a quite cool 12-8 groove with some syncopated percussion, and I liked that. The vocals are more melodic, still snarly, but more bluesy in a kind of stonery, doomy kind of vein. Um, Some death metal-ish riffs, maybe thrashy riffs, less new metal-y, but there's a chuggy beat-down bit which borders into that. I think that's actually the chorus that I'm talking about. Um, Some good riffs, though. Um, Yeah, look, I, I like this one the best so far. This one here is where it occurred to me, wow, I'm really not listening to Pantera or anything close to it. What am I listening to? It was a question. I mean, and I guess their their answer, if they were going to come back, their answer was just going to be F you. Hang on. We've got a chat before that. Oh, so. damn it. Oh, that was a good pun. Uh, if they're, uh, what is this? Blah, blah, blah. Have some pride. I don't know. All right. Well, this starts with a slow, clean guitar arpeggio intro with lots of effects. Um, then some big bluesy groove metal riffs gradually creep in. Um, and then you've got a, quite a catchy, another riff. Um, sorry, I don't know why I said catchy. That's not what I've written. But another riff reminiscent of a more chuggy version of Alice in Chains. Clean vocals over the top, um, going back to the quieter riff, kind of post-grungy. And then the chorus has that nice riff I previously mentioned, and the vocals are melodic, and I would say very Lane Staley-ish, Alice in Chainsy, in other words. Um, less new metal, more post-grunge. Again, I like this one. I think I like this one even more than the last one. Bluesy, squealy solo over the chugging breakdown riff. Um, bit too twiddly for me in places, but I guess that's what people want if they're into Dimebag Daryl. So, yeah, good track. It, it is a better track. I'm I'm still wishing for extra twiddles i mean this is uh if, if this were an extra value meal we it's not even an extra value meal we have less twiddles than fries in a small size number one 
Uh, and that's that's what I'm here for. I'm here for the twiddles and the thumps. And it's it is very new metally post grungy, which is basically the same thing. And it, it's like uh, we should remember that at this time, Audio Slave is huge. And this, frankly, reminds me a bit more of Audio Slave than it does Pantera. Fair enough. And yeah, it's worth saying very quickly, actually, that apparently in 2016 and 17, Vinnie Paul was talking about how they had some unreleased recordings, which were just him and Dimebag. And they were talking about maybe getting in some vocalists such as Chris Cornell or Halford to sing the songs and do another album. But that never happened. And oh, there you go. Vinnie Paul died in 2018. So there we go. Um, so, yeah, sorry. And now the aforementioned F.U. Featuring right, well, Corey have... Taylor. Exactly what I was about to say. Yeah. Starts groovy and squealy. Then it goes into a kind of hardcore new metal-y bit, like a fast D-beat thing, sort of. It's a bit cheesy for me. Um, and yeah, changes gear to an even more new metalish section with some of those angsty vocals and a bit of quasi rap. I'm not into this so much for those reasons. It's not my thing at all. A few twiddly solos interspersed. Yeah, it's okay. It's really not my thing. I think if you're into new metal, then you could easily love this track. It's good for what it is. It's just not for me. This to me, I would say is the first bad song. And a lot of the, the the vocal lyrical, I'm sorry, a lot of the lyrical content on this record is a lot of we're out of Pantera, we're free, we're free, we're big and bad, we're tough, we're great. And that just seems all very junior high melodrama to me, and you're supposed to be adults. So yeah, it's, it's worth saying as well, the lyrics were co-written with um, the, the vocalist and the, the Abbott brothers co-wrote them as well. There you go. And this one is just, you know, even worse. It's it's like a rap diss track. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I find rap diss tracks to be uh, childish at best. And after four minutes of this, I just wanted to explode. Hang on, you've missed Reborn. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I thought you were going to say I wanted to be Reborn. <laughs> okay, well, I want to be Reborn. Oh, God. All right. I'm trying to get through this, and apparently I'm skipping well- songs. Well, this one features Zach Wilde on guitar. Um, I'm not sure which bits he did. He's relatively second similar. solo, right? He's a relatively similar player to um, Dimebag, and of course, he's now in Pantera. Um, big groovy, slowish riffs with odd harmonies, quite cool. Bluesy, growly vocals again, back to that stonery, doomy vibe. Gets more new metal angsty as it goes on. Some there's a bit of metallicarism. I can't remember what he says, but there's a bit that he says that's really got that yeah yeah kind of feel to it. Um, and a big squealy twiddly guitar solo. Yeah, this is just I don't know. I would say this type of track probably epitomizes the album. It just it doesn't do anything ridiculously new metal. Like he's not rapping. Um, but it also it just does what this album says on the tin, which I guess is their take on the metal which was popular at the time in the early 2000s which was still pretty much the new metal kind of vibe so yeah it's fine for what it is it's pretty good for what it is not not for me yeah again we have another okay record and this is reminiscent to me of the the devil you know by heaven and hell aka black sabbath with the dio lineup and that album isn't bad either it is the okayest album of that that lineup of black sabbath but there's not enough differentiation there's not enough uh people 
going to town to make me recognize that they're here. If you had told, I didn't know Zach Wilde was on this until I read it after I, after I'd listened to it. That's probably not good because Zach Wilde is a very distinct player. He's got a very distinct tone and none of the Zach Wildisms were in his solo for me to even notice or hear it because it's so compressed that, you know, the solos don't pop like they should. Yeah, the, the only solo I remember, now there must be two solos, but the one I remember and wrote about on here was, it was like, oh no, sorry, that was a different song. Ignore me, just ignore me. Oh, there me. we go. Well, it's a squiddy twiddly one, so that probably was Zach Wilde. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll move on now to Explode properly right okay well this has some big chuggy fast riffs over the bass drum as it builds up kicks in with fast groove metal riffs almost industrialish vibes in the verses with a uh, sort of relentless kick drum uh beat um it's okay but for me the riffs are a bit standard and the vocals are a bit over the top a bit histrionic but it is catchy in its own way there's some discordant breakdowns and there's like a noise guitar solo, like a Rage Against the Machine style solo. But, you know, if you imagine Tom Morello's most out there solos where it just sounds like helicopter noises or something, that's what this is like, which, you know, that's on parade. interesting. Yeah, quite interesting for me, actually. I prefer that to the twiddly twiddlies, but um, I can see that it might not be what Dimebag fans are looking for. I'm not looking for that. Remember what I said, Audio Slave earlier? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But is what it is. It's... This is not what I want. I, I want twiddles. I want riffs. I want well mastered. I want well EQ'd. And I'm just not getting that. So maybe on the next track, they'll save me. All right. Well, you tell me skip. that's the next track. That is the next track. You yeah. did not skip one. So well done. Um, okay. Well, this one starts with groovy post grunge bluesy riffs, almost getting into quasi doom territory. But it does go new, more new metal-y and cheesy. Almost with, quasi-doom. <laughs> yeah. But you've got some almost quasi-rapping, which doesn't work very well for me. The chorus is very post-grunge, Alice in Chains-style harmonies. But to be honest, it feels like we're bordering into Nickelback territory here, that poppy post-grunge. Cheesy beat down towards the end. Yeah, look, it didn't. this one didn't save me. I don't... It's not for me. Again. Hmm. I have nothing more I can add to that. You nailed it. So I'll just say what you said, though. Cold-blooded. All right. Starts with a syncopated riff and beat with like a semi-quaver feel over a slow pulse. And it's quite a cool groove. Um, but then he starts rapping again. Oh, no. Um, some Don't good, that. interesting feel, but it's far too, uh, too, too far into the new metal cheese territory for me. Breakdown with an almost death metal riff and some cool drum breaks, which is not bad. And then it goes into another riff with harmonies over a syn over a syncopated feel. And then you've got uh, another beat downish groove breakdown and then a big guitar solo. Yeah, again, it's okay. It's too new metal for me. It's fine for what it is. If you like new metal, you'll probably love it. But nah, not you, not my. You forgot the new metal, like whisper to scream. There's ice in my veins. There's ice in my veins. There's ice yeah. in my veins. And it's like, wow, who asked for this? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, uh, no, no. It made my skin crawl. Oh, actually, before I'm going to roll back the pun, pretend like I didn't say that. Have you noticed that you have said almost in quasi more today than you have in the last six months? 
Probably, yeah. That that yeah, yeah. That is not a critique on you. That is a critique on the record. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pick a direction and boldly go there. Indeed. Do not put your toe in the water and go, well, we wrapped. No, yeah. if you're if you're gonna be rap metal, which I do not like, do not like rap metal at all. Do it. Don't give this kind of almost sorta's do it. Yeah, I tend to agree about rap metal, but I do like Rage Against the Machine. So there you go. There we um, go. Uh, moving on into Crawl with that cool pun I did earlier. Exactly. Well, this has slowish, groovy riffs and um, starts with distorted bass and drums. Um, then we go into this fast blasting thing with new metalish growls. Then back to the groovy riff with some bluesier melodic vocals. Um, and then a breakdown with effecty clean guitars. And then it all gets a bit angsty again, kind of like. Alice in Chains is quieter bits, but cheesier. Um, but there are some quite nice vocal harmonies. I'll give it that. And then it ends with big, slow, droning chords and screaming. Um, yeah, again, it's fine for what it is. It's not my thing at all. The real biggest, the biggest problem I have with this record so far is the length. We're on track 10 of 14. There's not a whole lot of differentiation in the tone of the record. Most of these songs have the same EQ. They have the same everything. It's too samey. And if you're samey, you got to be short and sweet. You can't do the wall wouldn't be the wall if it all sounded the same. Mm -hmm. And music like this, that's not super dynamic. The album has to flow quickly. It can't drag. It needs to feel like every song is over in the blink of an eye. All right, that's track 11. Well, it has this chiming, effecty guitar intro. Yeah. More groovy post-grunge riffs going into cleanish, effecty bits. Listen, change, but I'm feeling the Linkin Park vibes here. You've got that sort of cheesy, angsty thing going on. The chorus is very Linkin Park. Um, you've got a kind of synth-esque guitar melody under the melodic vocals, which really reminded me of Linkin Park. Um, goes into quite a nice bluesy groove riff after a couple of choruses and then continues in that right vein, which I much prefer for a while. But again, most of this song is not my thing. Most of this song is bad. There you go. It's. It feels like I got hit with some blunt force trauma. All right, well, that's track 12. They're making it, I mean, they're just doing it for me now. It's just easy. Well, this is like you've got um, a, a chordal riff over a driving pedal bass and steady building drums, um, almost like Jump by Van Halen. I mean, it's not quite like that, but if you imagine that type of idea where you've got these different chords happening in a sort of syncopated way while the bass just stays on one note. Um, and then it kicks in with this big, groovy, stoner, doomy type riff, a bit more chuggy than that, but actually pretty cool. Um, big snarly vocals over that riff um, Some great riffs here But again the vocals are still Too angsty, new metal-y for me Big bluesy solo though Which I liked So this is picking it up a bit for me Don't love it But getting more towards what I would like I guess for me with this style When it gets more bluesy, more doomy More stoner rocky I prefer that I agree And there, there are riffs on this record here and there That are that good like chuggy stomp and that's when i'm listening to it going wow what am i hearing who are these people and that's cool because it's different but we are now 
on what are we on track 12 yeah track yeah. 12 this record is dragging it's dragging me down and i'm tired so what we need next is a nice quick short track a real punchy song to get you through so now it's the moment of truth all right well this has a chuggy riff intro and then we go into very slow, doomy, half-time shuffle grooves with a big drawn-out riff and some slide guitar. And I liked that groove and that riff. Some nice bluesy, uh, more bluesy riffs coming in. The vocals are very bluesy as well in that sort of doom metal, stoner rock vibe. Um, the chorus is still in that kind of vein, although a few vocal harmonies just bring in a bit of that post-grunge angstiness. And there's a big bluesy twiddly solo. So I like this one more again because we're going towards that doomy feel and some. Yeah, I, I get all that. But what we needed here was a punchy up tempo number. Mm-hmm. And we got a dragging seven minute dirge. Is it seven minutes? Yeah. Wow, I didn't even realize that. Okay. Yeah, the, the songs are getting longer as the record is going on. And this is a 62-minute record, which is the worst length of record to possibly make, Hmm. especially when you're like this band here. So next, we finish this off with the ballad Soul Bleed featuring Zach Wilde on vocals. A second vocal, like there's a question and answer bit, and Zach Wilde does the answers. You can tell it's him. Um, yeah, it starts with acoustic guitar, minor key arpeggios, and it, it, it is like an acoustic track, really. It never fully kicks in. I don't think there's any drums in it at all. Vocal harmonies are very Alice in Chains. It's not bad, but it's all a bit overblown with the production. There's these strings, I think they're synthetic strings, and it all feels too orchestrated and too overproduced. And it continues in that vein, building up, but staying within the acoustic, you know, inverted commas bracket um and it comes across as a bit cheesy for me it feels emotionally false there's a clean electric guitar solo but again it just seems to add to the overblownness it's a really slick electric guitar solo and it doesn't work with the pathos that i think they're trying to get across so meh doesn't um yeah it doesn't save the record for me unfortunately there we go this song sucks there you go you said it i i I actually, because when you texted me saying you're ready to go and I'm listening to it and I'm like, let me finish this. I listened to one more verse and I went, this song sucks. It's not going to get any better. Yeah, it doesn't change very much. And that's that's this record in a nutshell. It's got a gear. They've got a gear. They've got a lane. It stays in their lane, which is very much the antithesis of what Pantera did, what the Abbott brothers did before. And I get trying out new things. And frankly, this is the second most okayest record we've ever done. <laughs> Last week was the most okayest. This is the second most okayest because there are things on here I genuinely don't like. And I can say are genuinely bad. I couldn't say that last week. But all in all, I don't know who this record is for. It, it, it strikes me as one of those albums where You've got the college kids that aren't getting invited to college parties, so they're going to high school parties. And this whole album feels like, hey, how are you doing, fellow kids? 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I know. I'm out. Uh, this is a minute for me. There, it's not a bad record. I, I don't know who it's for, but whoever it's for, I'm sure loves it. Yeah, I think I'm a bin it as well. It's not a really low bin it, but there's just way too much new metal-y angstiness that I don't like. And look, I don't like Pantera anyway. They're just not for me. I appreciate their influence and all that stuff, but it's not my thing. So it's funny because we did Pantera. You didn't like Pantera. Now we've done anti-Pantera and you don't like anti-Pantera. Yeah, no, I mean, there are, you know, quite a few really good riffs on this. And there's probably three tracks that I would be quite happy to listen to again. But out of a 14 track record, that doesn't make it a spin it. Um, So, yeah, again, I feel like this is not for me. I'm not sure who it's for. I just I think if you're into if you're into new metal and you also like Pantera, then this would probably work for you. Um, Because there's a little bit of a nod towards Pantera and there's quite a lot of a nod towards new metal at different points um, and that post-grungy angstiness that's all through it. Um, And, you know, for for those people, this is probably a great record, but it just isn't for me at all. Right. To to be clear on my side, for my Bennett, it's a Bennett for me just because I don't like the style. I'm not speaking to the quality of the music. I'm not speaking to the people. I just don't enjoy it. And there are times where I was listening to this today and I'm going, yeah, I get this. I feel this. This is doing it for me. And then songs like Soul Bleed come up and it's like, this is crap. Yeah. No, then, I'm, I'm, it's, it's the style. It's not, not for me at all. Well, and then it's handicapped by being too long. Yes, I agree. There's too much of it. Too much, too, too much, too slow, too self-produced. So that is all I have this week. All right. Same here. All right. Everybody, thank you for listening. We listened in case. Thank you for listening. We listened so you don't you don't have to. <laughs>